You are listening to audio from Creekside Community Church. If you'd like to learn more about Creekside, find out about our services and upcoming events, or listen to other sermons, please visit creeksidecommunity.org. Hold on, stay right there, Jeff. So how, 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 did, how did we go through pandemic and quarantine and you look so good and lose all this weight and I feel like you just transferred it over here, so... I don't know how you did it, Jeff. You can go now, but I'm just looking like... A couple years ago, we were standing on stage or together. I was here, and I, I, don't, I, I don't remember this imbalance here. How many of you this morning, as you're getting dressed, you're thinking to yourself, man, I don't remember my clothes being so tight. Anybody? How many outfits did you go through to wear what you're wearing right now? This is my number two outfit. Well, family, thank you guys for having me. My name is Lita, and I'm planting a church with my family and team out in Fremont. And it's uh, really, I'm just filled with gratitude right now to be in your midst and your presence with your Pastor Jeff, Pastor John, your leadership elders and staff, where we cannot be doing what we're doing without your support, without your love and guidance. So thank you um, for your sacrifice, your giving, your sponsorship, your love. Your, it's, we have gone through a lot this past year, as we all have, and uh, we are still standing uh, by the grace of God and through families like you. So today's sermon is Live Your Best Life, How Obedience Leads to Flourishing, and it's from Luke chapter 5, 1 through 11. So I'll just read us the story, and as I read, I'll take breaks every now and then just to give some commentary on it. Uh, we'll start with verse 1. Before I do, let me pray one more time. God, preach a sermon that I can never preach. Preach better than I ever can for your glory and our joy. Amen. Uh, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's. He asked him to put out a little from land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. The first action that Jesus gave to Peter is to let down your nets. You know, Jesus started his discipleship of Peter not by telling Peter to leave his profession and be a pastor, but he started his discipleship of Peter right in Peter's own world. Jesus didn't call him away from his career. Jesus called him to a bolder practice of it. Now, some of us are called to leave our jobs to be pastors and be in, in bringing God's kingdom into this world, but most people are called to make disciples right where you're at. And we see in verse 5, as we continue, and Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. Peter was tired and exhausted. Raise your hand if you feel tired or exhausted, especially what we've been through this past year. But they didn't allow their emotions to stop their obedience. Now, even though they were tired, even though they couldn't, didn't feel like it, even though they're weary and exhausted, even though in, in their professional skill sets, they probably already assessed the situation and said, we've already done what we can do. Let's just, you know, I know, we know best. We're the professionals here. They still obeyed. 
One of my mentors in Tennessee said that it's easier to act your way into a feeling than to feel your way into an action. Family, we live in a society where feelings are worshipped, where we idolize how we feel, and we're not going to do something unless we feel like it. Am I right? You're not going to do something unless your heart compels you, unless you feel like doing it. But the truth is that love is an action that leads to a feeling, not a feeling first. You know, we had some family things come up this week, and um, and, and we were called to fast, and I didn't want to fast because I like food. And I, and I remember getting into it in, in act of obedience, feeling not really there. But then through the act of fasting, I, I felt an in- intimacy with God that I haven't felt in a long time. And I ended up appreciating that little act of obedience. How many of us don't want to go to a small group because we're tired from Zoom meetings all day? Or how many of us don't want to talk to a neighbor because they don't look like us or vote like us or talk our same language? How many of us don't want to read our Bible because they'd rather be on Instagram? How many of us don't want to put our phone down or don't want to volunteer today? But afterwards, you feel glad that you did. It's because the feelings follow your actions, not the other way around. A good illustration of this is that in marriage, you know, when you first love somebody by serving them, you love someone by serving them, and you find that through serving them, you come to love them. The thrill of firsthand experiencing God's power and and experiencing the emotion that the swell of joy is after obeying God. So we continue the story in verse 6. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come to help them. And they came and filled both of the boats, so they began to sink. The key in this text is when they had finished, when Jesus had finished speaking. That's when the miracle happened. It's when he stopped talking. Family, a lot of us come here to church because we want a miracle. You want change. You want rest. You want hope. You want something to look at, something to hear, and something to experience here. And that's good, and that's right, and we should. But family, a lot of us, our miracle's not going to happen here. Our miracle's going to happen when the pastor is finished with the sermon and we take a step of obedience to God. The miracle's going to happen when you go home and you apply, when you go home and you take that risk, when you confess that sin, when you give with generosity, when you leave that toxic relationship and follow God. That's what happened in this story is Jesus talked. When he finished talking, they experienced God's power because of their obedience. This God's power is manifested when we obey God's word. and happens after the sermon. The mark of a great church isn't by how many people attend, but how those who gather live differently from attending. One pastor said that we always say, God, make it clear. So I can obey you. But the majority of the time, God tells us to do something. We don't do it anyway. Don't worry. I know I'm the only one in here that does that. Clarity does not necessarily help us to be obedient, but it just gives us something to clearly disobey. Experiencing God's power happens after we obey God's word. You look at Joshua chapter 1, verse 3. You see where God tells Joshua, I will give you every place where you set your foot. 
God's word was given to Joshua. But Joshua didn't experience God's power until he obeyed and lifted up his foot and he marched that foot around Jericho. He must have felt really weird. He must have felt out of place. He must have felt awkward, like, what does this have to do with bringing down a city? But it was out of that obedience he saw the walls come down. And God told him, I will give you where your foot lands, the territory and the land. But it took him lifting up his foot and putting it down in the river Jordan out of faith with the rest of the Israelites that split the waters and for them to experience God's power. Miracle followed obedience, not the other way around. By the way, Joshua was not responsible for stopping a river or tearing down a fortified city. He was only responsible for acting on the word God gave him to do. So we are only responsible for our calling. God will do the rest. You know, Moses, he wasn't responsible for splitting an ocean. He was only responsible for raising a stick. So do you have stick-raising faith? You don't need ocean-raising faith. Ask your neighbor, do you have stick-raising faith? Go ahead, ask your neighbor that. So many of us look at obeying God and we just get overwhelmed sometimes. But you know, Peter had nothing to do with those fish swimming towards the nets. Those little fins, those little fish, you know, he didn't control those little fins. God did. But he was in control of throwing down those nets. You can't change your spouse. You can't decide to remain faithful in your covenant with them when the feeling is gone. You can't change your kids, but you can keep praying when you feel out of control. You can't change your work environment, but you can work with integrity when nobody's looking. You can't force your neighbors to come to church with you or for them to accept the gospel, but you can bake a batch of cookies and drop it off. So in their face of exhaustion, Peter obeys, experiences God's power. Then Jesus says this in verse 10, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. They left everything and followed him. If we're being honest with ourselves, many of us American Christians haven't really left much to follow Jesus. We've just added a Sunday morning hour to our busy agendas and lives. And I say that not to shame anybody, but to help us understand that a flourishing life that you and I all desire to experience the fullness of life that we all want is found in the obedience to Jesus, the one who gave us life to begin with. That everything Jesus tells us is for our good, our benefit, our joy. There's a ship that was going through the ocean, and it was heavy fog, heavy mist. So the ship and the captain could not see in front of them. And they were, in the distance, they started to see a little light. And they're, oh no, it's another ship. We're going to collide if we remain on this course. So the captain jumped on the radio and said, this is the captain speaking of the ship that's headed right towards you. I need you to change course right now. Over. Little silence. Back on the radio came this message. No, you change course. Over. This captain was infuriated. We're going to collide. We're both going to lose our ships. You better change course. So he got back on the radio. You need to change course. This is the captain speaking. If you do not change course, we will collide our ships. Over. Back on the radio came. No, you change course. Over. 
For the last Hail Mary, this captain was thinking to himself, this is crazy. This ship better change course. So he got back on the radio and said, you need to change course. This is the captain, and you need to change course right now, or we will collide. Over. Back on the radio. (sighs) No, you change course. We are a lighthouse. (laughs) Obeying God's word is not about becoming some religious robotic nut. It's about realizing that God is a lighthouse. And from his infinitely elevated perspective, he sees and knows what you and I need and have our best interest in mind. So when he says something in his word, it's for our contentment, not our confinement. It's for our joy, not our jail. Jesus ain't chasing you with a straitjacket. He's trying to take yours off. Family, I know you guys are partnered with Foster the Bay, so when Jess and I, my wife and I, when we fostered, we took that step out in obedience and we became foster parents for a season. We were scared. We, we didn't want, we, in a way, we, we didn't want to, we were, but we knew God had called us to do it for a season, so we stepped out. And it was a painful season, it was a difficult season, but through that obedience, we got to experience God in ways we've never experienced Him before. I got to experience God's power in my life. Oh, you need some patience, right? You need some patience as you're a foster parent in ways that you never thought you needed before, but in a way that God provided for us. You need a strength. We experienced God's strength when we thought we didn't have it within us. We experienced God's grace and love in ways that we never knew our hearts could expand. We got to experience God. Because of that step of fearful obedience, sometimes you're just you're shaking in your boots, but you don't need ocean-splitting faith. You just need stick-raising stick faith. So I say that because I know that some families here, maybe you've felt the call to obedience, but you're just kind of scared. You just need that extra little nudge and say, hey, take that step out. God is with you. He will provide your needs. He will provide for you and your family. As now we're church planting you know, I, I sensed God's call to plant the church years ago, 2016, but I was not immediately, immediately obedient. You know, like, it's like the fisherman in the, in, the, in the boat, you know, Jesus cast off, throw your nets out, and God told me, throw your nets out. I'm like, nah, I'm good. Nah, I just chill here. I'm good. You do you, I'm do me. We're cool. You know, I like my direct deposit, pay my mortgage. You know, I like my health care. Everything's cool. You do you, I'll do me. And over time, God kept working on me, kept working on me, kept working on me. Until we said, okay, we're going to take the plunge and we're going to plant this church or we're going to do this life of church planting. And God has come through and shown himself in the most powerful, crazy ways these past couple years since that we've done this. And you have played a gigantic role. Pastor Jeff, Pastor John, your staff, your elders, your church, your love, your generosity has come through and also shown us God's love, God's provision and power in our lives. Since COVID started in last year, as a church plant, we were able to give away $8,000 in 2020. We're not even self-sustaining yet, but we felt convicted and called with the people around us losing jobs and facing unemployment. We need to use our resources for their good. And this year, 2021, we're on track to give away $12,000. In this picture behind me, we partnered with the city of Fremont. Our church talked with their staff, employees, and said, what do you need? What does the unhoused community need? Because they're hurting really bad right now. So we were able to fundraise $5,000 worth of brand new supplies for the unhoused. 
especially those living in, on their RVs and vehicles, were able to partner with the city of Fremont to locate exactly the supplies they needed. Even as, even as I'm writing this sermon in, 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 in my open garage, I keep it open so I can connect with my neighbors as they walk around and I work from my garage. Uh, a former fire department retiree who stopped by and he thanked me for a gift I dropped off of him. And he said on, his, on our drive, as I'm talking, he says, no, I'm not a church guy, but I, I like what's happening you know, with this church. He's come to our church for like a month now. He doesn't go to church. His wife is now part of our small group. In these, in these pictures now, you'll see this next guy. Uh, Chris is, uh, lives down the street, and he's unemployed. He's on disability, and he's really struggling. And he sells music equipment to try to pay the bills. So I walked him around my garage. and said, hey, take this guitar. Take this sound equipment. Take this, take this, and go pay off your bills. And he was crying as we're saying this. And, and he was like, why are you doing this, Lee? I said, well, people have provided for me. So now it's my turn to, to do that for you and others. And he doesn't go to church. He doesn't believe in God. But he's, he's, now, he's now attending and visiting our church a number of times. This next person, Suleiman, is my USPS guy. He comes around with the mail on a regular basis. And he, the funny part with him, he's always like, as he walks by, he's like, Lita, you got two important mail today. I'm like, how do you know that? Thanks for the, thank, you know, good looking out. But Suleiman, uh, you know, we've been talking about faith. We've had conversations about spirituality, about church, about Christianity, Islam. And he uh, uh, dropped off some food because he had some family in the house. So he got some home-cooked curry that he dropped off that he, uh, I got to enjoy. And we began to share life together in that special way. Um, my neighbor here, Rushid, actually is, um, this is my wife Jess and our son Hudson on the left. But our neighbor Rushid is, is from India. And, and we got to explain the gospel to him for the first time he's ever heard in his life. He's like, I don't know, what's the gospel? I don't know, what that, what's that? I was like, well, can I explain it to you? Can I share it? He's like, yeah, sure. Now, he didn't convert. He didn't, wasn't baptized. He didn't believe right away. And we live on tough soil. But all I can do is drop the seed, and then God does the rest. We just need stick-raising faith, not ocean-splitting faith. Now, through COVID-19 and through the quarantine, we were able to do block parties. So we've had 30 to 50 people on our front yard, and we did live music stuff, and we had people over. And this was just a great time for us to get our neighborhood and our block over in a safe way outdoors with masks. Um, even our mayor of Fremont came over one time. That's her, Lily May of Fremont, that came over to hang out on our block party because she heard about what we were doing for the city. We have over, and from that block party, we were able to do a, a seeker Bible study. We have over 25 multi ethnic adults in small groups right now with kids that's a little over 30, and 20% of which are not even Christian, unchurched people including a, this woman that's a Sikh background and, and a, this non-Christian millennial who's a data analyst and wrote on a Yelp review for us, Restore 22 has become one of the brightest points in my day-to-day -day life. We got to see God work in new ways. Here we meet at the park. My church right now is meeting at the park right now as we speak outdoors. So pray for them, for some warmth, all right, for, for, them to, uh, for God to hold the rain just for another 30 minutes, 45 minutes. But we can do these things. You guys have been obedient in your giving, obedient in your faithfulness and your risk to us, and now we get to do that, continue to live out in obedience and risk, preaching the gospel out to others. And, and, and real talk, it's been really challenging, really challenging. Church planting in the Bay Area is already challenging. 
It's, as one pastor said, it's kind of like the eye of the needle on the plain of Shinar. What that means is there's so much richness, there's so much wealth that people don't need anything else. As we try to pre- preach the gospel and invite them to church, like, why do I need Jesus? I have $2 million in my bank account. But it's on the plain of Shinar because everyone, uh, back in the day, the Tower of Babel was on this plain of Shinar, and they would try to build this tower to, to become God, and that's what everyone's doing. They're just doing a startup being an entrepreneur, a software engineer, or project manager, trying to be their own gods with their own wealth. And it's been really tough, church planting in the Bay Area, in pandemic. And I struggle with anxiety every day of my life. I struggle with a lot of anxiety. I struggle with a lot of fear. But family, this step of obedience that we're taking on a regular basis is helping us experience God's power that we, like we've never experienced before, in, in lives changed around us, in seeing him come through with provision, and experiencing his grace and endurance and peace. It's shaping my heart to be more reliant upon Jesus, less prideful in my flesh, more loving to my family and neighbors. And this is what he's teaching us through obedience. Family, I'll close with this, Philippians 2.8. The ultimate act is the obedience of Jesus. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus was the ultimate person that showed us the path to obedience, even when he didn't feel like it. His act of obedience took our sin and shame upon the cross. His act of obedience took all the ways we've fallen short, and he died on our behalf And now he died and rose again to give us his perfect faith, his perfect righteousness, his perfect life. As one author would say, a lot of us in America, we live our lives like we want to live a perfect life and be a good person and give it to God. But Jesus lived the perfect life and gave it to us. So it's, it's the, because of the gospel, it's the obedience of Jesus that gives us eternal life. But family, listen carefully. It's our obedience to Jesus that gives us a flourishing life. You, you already have an eternal life for those of you that are in Christ. It's the obedience of Jesus on the cross that gave you belonging, that gave you eternal salvation. They gave you love and identity and mission and purpose. It's the obedience of Jesus that gave you everything you could possibly want, dream, need, or desire. He's already given that to you for now and all of eternity. But it's our obedience to Jesus that gives us the ability to experience that. To the ability to step into that. In the risk. In the confusion, in the insecurity, it's our obedience to Jesus that allows us to experience all the fullness of life that he has for you in identity, in your purpose and mission, in your neighborhoods, in your networks, in your coworkers, in your family and friends. He desires for us to experience the fullness of life, but it's not to earn anything new. It's to experience the life that he's inviting us to. How do you live your best life? What is it about God's word that he's inviting you to obey today? Is it to remain faithful when you want to give up on that thing? Is it to start that new project he's been inviting you to, to take that step out of your comfort zone because that's where your life will start beginning? Is it to confess sin 
to find accountability, is to start to give generously to those in need. How is he asking you to take that next step of obedience for you to experiencing, for you to experience that flourishing life that you and I have always desired, and for us to experience his power in a new way? Hey God, we, we are grateful that it's the obedience of Christ that has given us eternal life. It's the obedience of Jesus that gave us belonging, a family, that gave us provision, that allowed all of our needs to be met in our identity in you, healing for our wounds, purpose and mission, meaningful life to live. But Lord, now you are inviting us to obey to your word, obey your word so that we can experience that flourishing life that you've desired for us and that we desire for ourselves. So Lord, help us understand that obedience is not confinement, but it's our contentment in you. That our obedience is it's not a jail, but it's for our joy. That Jesus, you're not chasing us to put on a straitjacket, but you're trying to take ours off. And you're doing this all for your glory. So we become a people, a community on mission that would glorify you in the city that we live in and find that we can find joy in the fullness of life that you've given to us out of one little step, one little stick raised, one little gospel prayer shared for your glory, Lord. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.